With the ponytail of a university professor, the coat of a bad dry cleaning job and a rip in his jeans, the number three rugby league journalist and five with a bullet rock and roll journalist in Australia, Steve Mascourt brings you the number two edition of White Line Fever. I'm Quentin Hull from ABC Grandstand and this is Steve Mascourt. Welcome to the second episode of White Line Fever and it's coming to you from the iconic ground in Marrickville of Henson Park, former home and current home of the Newtown Jets. I'm supposed to be here with Mo Mayhem who wrote and played in that intro you just heard. That's a musical intro. Thanks for the uh, voice intro, Quentin. I'll take that jacket straight to the dry cleaners. But I'm glad Mo hasn't shown up because it's a horrific blood-curdling sight in front of me. Here at Henson Park, not only do we have AFL Post, but a full-blown game of AFL taking place. It's absolutely horrifying. When I walk through the gate, I just want to turn around and leave. Um, Anyway, moving right along from the Phantom Menace, that is AFL, should enjoy the second episode of the program coming up. We've got John Toogood from Sheehad and also Peter Wallace of the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, John Toogood talking about his rugby league uh, passion and uh, Peter Wallace doing the opposite. Um, now, we are committed to playing new music for you here and White Line Fever, but I thought last week we didn't really set the musical tone uh, properly, so let's have a tune from the Four Horsemen called Rockin' Is My Business, and business is good, because that's what we're all about here. We're all about rockin', not so much business, because we don't get any money. Anyway. Why am I still fucking broke? 
Yeah, so uh, that was uh, f- uh, the Four Horsemen with uh, Rockin' Is My Business, and uh, we found Mo. Uh, his classic rock and roll v rugby league culture clash. When I say Henson Park, he just assumed it was a Henson Park pub. So we're sitting in the tab at the Henson Park pub. How long were you waiting for me, mate? I was waiting 30 minutes for you there, mate. <laughs> right, okay. But I was at Henson Park. You, you were at Henson Park, and I was at Henson Park Hotel, <laughs> which is what I generally assume when people say, come to Henson Park. I generally Generally, me in the pub, not, not not to kick a footy around. Now you're uh, um, you you were saved from a horrible sight, AFL, AFL posts and kids playing AFL on Henson Park. Oh jeez, this is New South Wales, isn't it? The last time I looked, none of that VFL nonsense over here. It's terrible. It's the Phantom Menace. Um, now, Manly yesterday. Give you uh, most people will be listening to it later in the week, so we'll say on Sunday we've got to be a bit sort of uh, you know vague in that area. But what do you think? You would have been quite happy with them. You're a Manly fan. Yeah, being a being a massive uh, Silvertail and proud supporter, I uh, I was I was thoroughly happy with with how uh, how we went yesterday. I thought I thought defensively we were pretty strong. Attacking wise, I think as well that Brisbane didn't bring as hard as they could have. Like the support play wasn't there and stuff like that. So I think that we did real good with our um, with our four, you know four men out. Little hoppers not back yet, but we still did real good to hold it to that score. I thought we were going to get walked all over, and especially the first 30 minutes of the first half, I was crying with how they, they were just, they were really overplaying us, and, and then sort of you know, by the second half, they come at, Manly come out strong, and that was, I think that really sort of evened things out, and they allowed to take some of the momentum from Brisbane. What about the brawl last week? What was your take on that? Were you happy with the way the league dealt with it? Or um, To be honest, I won't lie. Like, I read an article earlier in the week and it said um, most men from their lounge room chairs had a roar of approval. And uh, to be honest, I was kind of stoked to see a bit of passion for the game. Like, granted, it was ugly. Like, I'm not saying that it wasn't ugly or anything like that. But I was happy to see the two top teams go at it so hard that they wanted to blow each other. Like, I mean, to me, that was a real element of passion that I think that you you know that gets gets lost a bit in the game and it's much it's a much better look for the game for guys to be fighting on the field than it is for them to be fighting at the bourbon and beef steak on a Saturday night or yeah but what about after you got sent to the sin bit <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it it, it got pre- it got pretty nasty. I mean, the the blokes flying in from across the bench and everything like that. I mean, you know, but a lot of my mates, me and my mates are still arguing about this because like a lot of my mates are pretty cluey, but and they're also into their footy. So we've been arguing the up and downs of this whole thing, and I think that. Um, you know, as, as a mate keeps telling me it's a bad look for the game, and I think that you know a bit of argy bargy is, is not as bad a look for the game as other things that are. But, but if you'd just been across the road a second ago, you know that a lot of those parents who are dropping their kids off and picking their kids up at the AFL would have watched that last Friday, and that, they would think, "Geez, I made the right call here about what what sport for little Johnny to play." Yeah, you got you do have a point there. You do have a point there that um, that as far as a look for the kids go, like for your five-year-olds and stuff like that, who, like, I mean, look, when I was an eight-year-old kid and I was playing hooker for my school, and um, you know, I used to really look up to, like, Jeff Tuvey especially, like, just as a good bloke and good player and everything like that, and I always rated him as a bloke as well as a player, so I think that there is, there's definitely an element that it's like, it's it, it would definitely encourage parents 
to be more likely to make their kids play soccer than AFL. But at the same time, I don't think having odds on who's going to score the next try every five seconds on the telly is a good look for the kids either. Like, I think that that, to me, is a bit more damaging to the game because I think that in long term, that that heavier gambling focus... Like, if I was a little kid and I was eight-year-old going, who's going to score the next try? I'd be telling my old man, Dad, Dad, we could win a hundred bucks if I just put two bucks on on um, on twos to score the next try. Twos wouldn't have scored it, but you know, you know what I mean. And I think that's a bit more of a worry. I remember when Footy Tab first started because I'm older than you. I remember when Footy Tab first started winning a monster on the Footy Footy Tab in like the 80s. And as a little kid, I wanted I wanted to have a bet because because it was on during the footy, and I thought it was you know harmless. And and I'd actually like to see like taxpayers' money gets used so much to. I was thinking this the other day. Taxpayers' money gets used to warn you against the dangers of smoking and drinking. What, what, have they just bought everyone off the betting industry? They've bought everyone off. Like I'd like to see my taxpayers' money spent on saying that betting is a health hazard. I, I want to see. I, I'd happily contribute to that. You know. I totally agree, mate. And I'm. And this is coming from a guy. I play poker. I like to gamble, but there's not eight-year-old children sitting at a poker table next to me mm. are looking up to me and going, wow, Joey Johns is, he's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like this association thing. And I do think it's bad. And I do think the gambling, um, especially the sports tab stuff is just, I think, I do think it will harm league more than it does good right now with the cash injection. I honestly think that. Yeah, yeah. Now, tell us a little bit um, about your background. You're from Newcastle, is that right? I lived in Newcastle for three years. Um, I went, I'm actually a Northern Beaches boy, uh, born in South Africa, moved to Manly when I was like two years old, lived in Manly, Beacon Hill, grew up, like lived in Beacon Hill right behind Brookie Oval there, so we used to sneak onto Brookie Oval when we were kids and pretend to score tries when we were like eight, nine years old, used to get ripped on our tracky dacks and all that by the barbed wire, but you know, that's that's where I grew up, but I moved to Newcastle to go to uni when I was uh, 18, and I happened to live in Newcastle when they won two premierships back to back, you know, not including, you know, the premiership they stole off Manly in the mid-90s, but we won't go into that. But I lived in Newcastle when, you know, the Joey Johns, Newcastle, two premierships in a row, 2001 to 2003, kind of, when Newcastle were a real strong football team. And um, that actually made me go for Manly even harder because everybody in Newcastle hates Manly so much. And, being, you know, they'd always carry on about it. And I'd kind of wasn't following footy that much at the time. I'd kind of stopped following it for a, for a year or so or something. I can't remember. I think I went overseas or something like that and I just wasn't following footy that much. And being back in Newcastle with everybody hating Manly, the next day I was wearing my Manly jersey to uni and um, I was doing the Eagle Rock all over Newcastle. And what did, uh, what did you make? Mum and Dad, Mr. and Mrs. Mayhem. What do they think of that? <laughs> what the the Newcastle? Which part? The Newcastle part? The Manly part? Or the doing the Eagle Rock? Tell us about the Mayhem family tree. Um, my old man, my old man. I was just telling Steve before. My old man loves Darren Lockyer. Like, which I don't understand, being that you know we're all Manly supporters. He's he's not so much. Dad just likes football. Dad will watch every rugby league game going on the weekend, like, um, which is a bit strange because uh, you can't see me in radio world, but we're Indians. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I mean, I used to play... Uh, not American uh, Indians. No, not, 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 the, not, the, not the rain dance kind, the spice kind. And um, so, you know, there's yeah, the Indian family, you can imagine, on the, side of the, on the side of the footy field cheering on me playing playing football for my school is pretty, pretty, pretty funny. But I used to have a, um, a grade, in grade five, 
five, my grade five teacher, uh, played second row for Manly, and he also played uh, for Australia. Who was that? His name was Alan Thompson. It was oh, like yeah. I think it was in the late sixties, early seventies, or thereabouts. Maybe Alan Thompson was more late seventies, early eighties. I think. Yeah. Because I because I followed the Steelers as a kid, and he played against them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had Brian Johnson as St George fullback as a teacher when I was in school. No kidding. No kidding. Because I had mates who had Desi Hasler as well up in Narrowena, but he. Um, he really inst- the two things he instilled in me was um, one was a love of words love of reading books and everything like that and the second one was a love of rugby league like I was a soccer player but he got me into rugby league my old man loved rugby league anyway we loved to watch it together and so that's when I started playing rugby league and so on yeah, yeah. and now tell us about the band when did you get involved in music and a lot, some people may not have heard of Hell City Glamour so give us a sort of Reader's Digest version <laughs> of the <laughs> the funny thing about life is no uh, well Hell City uh I've been playing guitar since I was, you know, a young teenager. But Elsie have been around since about 2003. Uh, it's a bunch of mates, really. We all kind of grew up together, skate, skated together, everything else like that. Just wanted to play really kind of, you know, loud, over-the-top kind of brashy rock and roll, which they're just, at, at that time in Sydney, there just wasn't really. Like, I mean, it's different now where you see lots of blokes walking around in super tight jeans and cowboy boots and long hair, but when I joined um, Hell City, you, you didn't see that a lot in Sydney, you know, which is kind of cool. I mean, we're, maybe we're responsible for part of it or something, I don't know, but, um, yeah, that's that's how I joined. It was just basically to want to play, like, loud, full-on rock, like, you know, ACDC, Motley yeah. Crew kind of stuff, and then ever since then, we put out an album, put out some records and stuff like that, toured over in the States, got the record out in Europe and yeah, just keep on keeping on. <laughs> do you feel do you feel like you can't like you you'd love to go to Europe I'm sure and, and sort of tour on the back of that record label you got, but it costs a lot of money, doesn't it? There's sort of do you feel now that there's potential there but you just can't get the music to enough people? That's 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 really the hardest thing. I mean the the problem is the, the money just keeps falling out of it as well. Every time there's uh there's money to tour or agents who are ready to put the cash together and all that stuff. I mean we don't want to make money off it, we just want to get over there. But the you know the economy falls over or something else happens and it's just it's just one thing after the other you know the global financial crisis just killed money for new acts to tour and all that kind of stuff so I mean you know it's it's frustrating in a way because you've got all these real diehard fans who are going out and getting your logo tattooed on them they're like when are you coming here and they're not aware that you know you're a self-managed band who've all got to have jobs and pay the rent and everything like that. it's like well look we'd love to come there and it's not like it's it's not on the tour schedule schedule or something. It's a case that we just don't have the cash, mate, as much as we'd love to. It's just not there. So what are your plans? You've been recording. You've got a new record coming out soon? Yeah, hopefully um, it'll either be in December or January. The record should be done and out and all that. And this one's a bit of a different approach. We're kind of taking like the Rolling Stones Exile on Main Street approach in that we're we're not doing it over just like this is the week and we're doing the album. We've we've done it over six months and we're kind of... Are you all living in the same house in France? (laughs) living in the same house in France doing doing lots and lots of bad things. No, no, I wish we were, but, um, oh, God, I wish we were. <laughs> i just tell you the bad things. So you can You're all live in a separate house in France. That'd be even better. That, 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 that would be the, probably the preferable option. Being, being that I'm the only single man in the band, um, yeah, I'd probably need a house to myself because I don't know if I could put the other guys' girlfriends and wives and whatnot through my single life. <laughs> 
So t- the song we're about to play is called Singapore Sling. Is it inspired by a drink or a place or what? Um, actually, all our songs uh, have a meaning that's actually very specific. Mm-hmm. And not many people know that because they're all quite specific. But Singapore Sling has to do with um, letting loose. Mm-hmm. But it also has to do with Oscar breaking his arm. Because the dopey bugger, the, um, we had a bunch of, sh- you know, we had shows to do everything else like that. So what does he decide to do? He decides to go drunken skateboarding in cowboy boots. And so he, um, so I think there's a line in the song where he goes, Somebody's celebrating a birthday, awesome. Um, I think he says, yeah, um, don't talk about never as you wrap another wing in another Singapore sling. He was, he's had an arm in a sling, but it's also the drinking reference and everything else like that. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Steve. Upon the table 
from Seahide and the adults, and you are with Steve on White Line Fever. Welcome back to White Line Fever. I'm here with uh, Peter Walsh from the Broncos, and being from Penrith, you wouldn't be into acid jazz or urban beats, would you? Nah, mate, no, I'm, uh, yeah, I love me rock and roll, and especially rock, you know, Phillies, I uh, love the Phillies and, and Chili Peppers as well. You've been into the Foo Fighters since the first record, or you followed Dave Grohl over from uh, Nirvana? Nah, probably the first record, mate, I was, uh, Probably a little bit younger when, um, when he's in Nirvana, so yeah, mate. Yeah, I love all this stuff. I'm going to watch him uh, December this year, so I can't wait. How many times have you seen the Foo Fighters? Uh, I've never seen them live. Missed oh, really? it. No, I missed out on him. Um, when they were in Brizzy the last time I was in Origin camp, so I couldn't go. I was filthy. What's it like in a footy club these days? Because blokes aren't necessarily... In the old days, you used to go on tours and they'd be listening to ACDC yeah. Midnight Oil, but it's not like that anymore, is it? No, nah, it's not, mate. You know, <laughs> we get the iPod going in the um, sheds now and there's just bloody hip-hop and... I don't know, all this, all this stuff going on, mate, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's changed. Do you fight over with the music like it's a teenager's party at the, at, in, in the gym? Oh, a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's always blasts about what's going on, and, but um, yeah, you seem to get outnumbered these days. So the, what about the Chili Peppers? You got the new record yet? Yeah, I do, mate, I do. What's it like? Give us a review. It's pretty good, mate. It's, um, it's a little bit... Uh, a little bit slower than the, the last one, I think, and um, yeah, it's not as heavy, so I don't, I don't mind it, actually. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while, so um, they're coming out uh, too, I think, so I can't wait to see them. You get to play a song on the show. Everyone's always wanted to be a DJ. This is your chance. you got to pick a song. Pick a song. What do you, what do you want to play? Introduce it. Um... Something of the new Foo Fighters, or a classic Foo Fighters? Classic Foo Fighters, we go Everlong Foo Fighters. You're man after my own heart, I love that song, this is the best Foo Fighters song ever. Yeah, same, I agree mate, that's my favourite. <laughs>
Uh, welcome back to White Line Fever. I've got uh, John Toogood here from Shehad and the Adults. And um, he was a very uh, lucky man this year because he actually saw Parramatta win a game. Um, that was uh, at Eden Park in round one. There's not many people who can say that. Uh, was that a good experience, John, to play at uh, Eden Park? It was an awesome experience, but they beat my team. I'm a Warriors fan through and through, bro. So I had to actually, I was, I had to leave. Like I was so disgusted at, at that game. I was like, it was hurting. I'm a, I'm a terrible loser. I'm an even worse winner. Like, um, yeah, I'm one of those in your face sort of winners, you know, in your face, you know, sort of. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a Warriors man through and through, dude. So that was a hard game to watch. I thought, you know, after they bought, you know, all these new guys, Lee Mateo and. Kristen Inu and, and you know was, we're all sort of you know uh, Sean Berrigan we're, we're all like oh it's going to be really potent this year and so we played that game I mean total buzz here playing in front of that many people loved it loved it but I was here to see the game you know especially the man the crowd was huge you know the crowd was huge because we usually play Mount Smart you know not in park in fact way bigger and it managed to pack that place out then we lost and it was like ouch that hurt man and, and the only thing I can that could make me feel better was the fact that hey at least Stephen Kearney's you know yeah, he was. Unfortunately, uh, hasn't worked out uh, too too well for him, has it? <laughs> the Power have had a pretty poor year. No. You, you must have pretty high hopes for the Warriors over the next couple of months. I do, and, and, and even even though they lost to the Dragons, um, I thought they still played way better than they would have, you know, even six months ago. I mean, I'm sorry, even two months ago. Yeah, you know, I think they they definitely found their feet. Um, when they tried around, they looked more dangerous than any team. I reckon mm. they're. they're they're a hard team to barrack for, I've got to say. It's like a roller coaster. When you're a fan of the Warriors, it's like being on a roller coaster. You know? I would have thought, listening to sport and religion, it was a little. It's a little bit sort of uh, uh, dismissive or derogatory about um, about professional sport in a kind of midnight oil sort of way. You know, when they talked about uh, midnight oil, talk about sporting aggression and what how uh, dumb it is. Without a doubt. So you completely you've called me out. You've definitely called me out, and you're correct. When I was when I was when I was writing that song, I hadn't even. I would never have imagined that I'd end up such a massive rugby league fan. Now, three years ago, no, three or four years ago, we got to play a show for Vodafone and the Warriors um, when Steve Price. It was the, the season that um, we made. We made the sort of the finals, the, 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 the last eight, and we beat Melbourne Storm in the first round of that those finals. And that team was on fire. Steve Price was captain, blah, blah, blah. And I, I sort of watched it from this corporate box, right? We got to in a corporate box. And I watched Wade McKinnon score this try from one end of the field to the other by himself. Mm. And I thought, this is the best game I think I've ever watched as far as any sports, you know. Best sport. Best sport to watch on television by a mile. Um, uh, I think it's, it, the rules are way tidier uh, as a television sport than rugby union. Uh, you don't have those laws where the, the commentators are going, I think he's, I think he's just um, pinged them for being offside, or oh, I can't tell. <laughs> you, know, you know what's happening at all time with rugby league. Mm. Um, um, it's athletic and it's hard, you know. And it's, it's like you get to live vicariously through these huge dudes <laughs> smashing into each other. <laughs> Um, not only that, it's full of fucking skill as well, man. It's mm. it's a really the modern game is fully athletic, fully skillful. Yeah. You know? Well, you and, get to. Um, sorry. I, you go, go, go. No, I was sorry. just going to say you get to play a song, any song, 
Um, we worry about the legal implications of that later. Um, do you want to? Uh, what, would you, what would you like to play? So, something off the adults or something older? What would you like to play? Um, I reckon. I reckon we'll play um, my mind sedate off She uh, Hugs the General Electric. That's very obscure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, thanks for coming on the program. That, that, that was awesome, John. Thanks. Please, bro. Please, Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> spend up with having big ears, I suppose. Right? <laughs>